I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Liana Holston. And I'm Sienna Jekyll. And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the very slightly less racist 10th Anniversary Edition. This podcast is a safe space for people who don't know anything about movies. Today, we're watching Raging Bull. You fuck my wife. What? You fuck my wife. Number four on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers about this decades-old film. Lena, honestly, before we even start, I just want to ask, how are you after this movie? I am so very not well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trigger warning as well in this film that it deals with some very dark content, including sexual assault of minors, violence, lots of domestic violence. I really wish there had been a trigger warning at the beginning of this film. Yeah, if there's one thing they were doing in the year 1980, it's not putting a trigger <laughs> warning at the beginning of things. Shall we start with our predictions of what we thought this movie would be? Yes, please. I would love to know what you thought back before we knew the truth. We were younger then and full of hope. Hi, Sienna. It's Liana. I'm about to watch, um, what is it, Raging Bull, which I've I've never even heard about this movie before. So I truly know (laughs) nothing about it. I just am inferring from the title that it's maybe something to do with like Wall Street because of that bull statue that they have there. And presumably men, because men love being angry. No. Um, I don't think I'm really looking forward to it, um, but I did order dinner and I am really looking forward to that because I love dinner. So Ooh. I'm hopeful that it'll be sort of a net zero experience. <laughs> love you. Bye. I 
love you. Bye. <laughs> um, uh, was it a net zero experience for you? <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, no. The oh. dinner was very, very good, but the film dragged the evening down so hard. Okay, great. I'm very excited to hear yours. Hey, Liana. So I'm about to watch Raging Bull. I have never heard of this movie, but from the sound of the title, I think it's either going to be a football film or a cowboy film. So that's my guess. Um, hopefully a bunch of cowboys learn to throw the old pigskin around together uh, on horses. So anyway, fingers crossed. Bye. That would have been such a better movie. I know. <laughs> Wow, I'm actually, I'm so glad that neither of us knew anything about this movie mm -hmm. before. You also had never heard of it. I'd never heard of it at all. Never. I was so surprised to see this <laughs> on the list. I mean, it's number four. Yeah, out of a hundred. That is the top 4%. Well, we'll get into all the problems we have with this film. But um, before we do that, I just want to give an, a summary, a, a bit of an objective summary, um, mm. just to kind of start things off, you know, uh, clean palette, whatever, before we really get into it. So. All right, this okay. is Sienna Jekyll about to summarize Raging Bull. So Raging Bull is about an Italian-American boxer, Jake LaMotta, and it is an extremely terrible movie. <laughs> um, we watched the rise and fall of Jake LaMotta's career between 1941 and 1965. Most of the film is about Jake LaMotta gaining weight, <laughs> which slightly hurts his career and makes him really jealous and angry towards his 15-year-old wife. <laughs> 15! Not kidding. It is extremely disgusting. Uh, Robert De Niro plays the boxer, Jake LaMotta. Uh, he wins the big title eventually in the middle of the movie um, and then is terrible to everybody and loses everyone he loves gradually over the course of his life. Most of the scenes in the movie are either men with Italian accents telling each other that they're getting fat, <laughs> very upsetting sexual interactions with minors, or extremely pretentious, self-indulgent, artistic, quote-unquote, shots of gruesome boxing matches, and then so much domestic abuse, both emotional and physical. It is, in other words, a female viewer's nightmare. <laughs> it felt like watching a horror movie, every awful moment made exponentially more devastating by the knowledge that this movie is ranked number four on AFI's top 100 list. All right, so there is just a clean, objective mm -hmm. summary. Just facts. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sienna. <laughs> that really encapsulates the whole thing. Um, well, would you care to hear some historical context about this uh, goddamn film? I would love to. I'd love to hear what you found out. When the film first started, I wrote down, oh, God, I'm going to have to Google boxing, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> and lo, I did. <laughs> so this film, Raging Bull, released in 1980, directed by Martin Scorsese is about Jake LaMotta, who was an actual real-life human man. And it is based off of his biography, which is called the same thing, Raging Bull, which was released in 1970. Mm -hmm. And apparently De Niro read it and took it to Scorsese and was like, we got to make this film. And Hollywood was like, yeah, <laughs> do it. <laughs> and nobody was like, what if you didn't? That would be a really good use of everyone's time. A bit about actual Jake, human man, Jake LaMotta. He was born mm -hmm. in 1922, raised in the Bronx, New York, uh, grew up quite poor. Jake's father was abusive and forced him to fight other kids for like loose change. And oh Jake also learned to fight at a New York reformatory where he was sent for attempted burglary. So he had a tough oh. upbringing. This movie very much about the cycle of abuse. And uh, <laughs> that is why. 
Um, he had six or seven wives during the course of his life. I believe wow. seven. It's not super clear. The final thing about LaMotta in relation to this film, when he went to a screening of the film and watched it for the first time, he turned to his wife and he asked, was I that bad? And she answered, you were worse. Oh, God. There's, That's it's so like, bad. Hard to make this podcast funny because this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> a bit about the year 1980. Um, Jimmy Carter was president until Reagan was elected and we said R.I.P. America. Um, the U.S. and 65 <laughs> other countries boycotted the Summer Olympics in Moscow that year. The Iran hostage crisis was ongoing. Mount St. Helens erupted after 123 years. Honestly, a bummer of a year, 1980. Mm. But the WHO announced that they had eradicated smallpox. So hey. it was a fun. But then John Lennon was assassinated. So, you know, it twists roundabouts, uh-huh. ups and downs. The last bit of historical context I'm going to give you, which I think actually will really help us, was I googled, how does boxing work? (laughs) I went to the Encyclopedia Britannica (laughs) because they have a long history of boxing in the world. And it has existed forever because, unfortunately, men have existed forever. (laughs) And... Okay, boxing in the U.S. was introduced in the late 1700s. Before that... It had died out with gladiatorial games in about the 5th century due to the fall of the Roman Empire and the rise of Christianity. And they were like, oh, good Lord, we can't be doing fisticuffs. And so it didn't rise again until about the 17th century in England. And prize fighting, which is fighting for money, like if you win the match, you get Mm. uh, the cash monies, um, actually probably coins at the time, was very popular at the time in the 1600s in England. Regency England was the peak of British boxing. A little uh, Easter egg for Bridgerton fans out there. They do some boxing there and it's set during the Regency era. And then finally, professional boxing ended up centered in the US in the 20th century. It was also a huge financial incentive for a lot of oppressed people because it was a way to sort of make a living, get out of their situation, quote unquote, fight their way to the top. Um, And then finally, I'll just leave you with some rules of boxing because I was very confused in the movie and these sort of cleared it up a little bit. They are called the Marquess of Queensberry rules. They state that the ring must be 24 foot square. There's no wrestling or hugging. (laughs) (laughs) The rounds were three minutes long with one minute in between rounds. And if you fall, you have to get up within 10 seconds unassisted. Professional championship bouts typically last 15 rounds and three ringside officials score each round, which is what I was confused about in the movie because he knocks a man down, but somehow loses. And I was like, huh? But that is how you could like knock somebody down in one round. But if they, if the judges determine that somebody else won, then that's who wins overall. And they tally up those points to figure out who wins the entire, uh, interesting match. It just makes it less, uh, easy to determine an actual winner and easier for uh, something like the mafia to get involved and say, actually, the totally. winner was somebody else. Yes. Shall we launch into phone notes? Um, I really think this will be good for us to just get this movie out of our system. Indeed. This is going to be sad because like the first few notes on this movie are going to be kind of like fun. <laughs> and then it just mm. so rapidly, like you smash into this wall of just <laughs> devastation of what the rest of this film is going to be mostly once he's introduced to his 15-year-old wife. But um, before that, one thing I noticed was there was some tossed popcorn present in the very first scene. Did you see? <laughs> no, I was um, I was really looking at his legs because they were nice. Oh, my God. So that's actually the first thing I wrote down. I'm glad that gave you a little bit of joy. Yeah, I thought being horny for De Niro was going to power me through the rest of the film, but he his character sucks so much that it uh, did not. 
I laughed out loud at the beginning because in like the first boxing match that he's in, there a riot starts when it's declared that he's the loser. I think this is the one against Sugar Ray Robinson, the first match that they have. And he knocks down Sugar Ray Robinson, but then the judges declare Robinson the winner. The audience gets like in an uproar about it and they start a riot. And then a woman, did you see this? She just hops on the organ and starts playing it. Oh, the woman on the organ. <laughs> she was my favorite character. Oh yeah. What was that though? Was that meant to be like artistic or was that sort of a thing that would happen when riots started? A woman was like, oh, hang on. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just score this fight really quick. She's just playing them off, I guess. Yeah. Let me walk these these fighters down the aisle. <laughs> it was so weird, but it was it was funny. And I, I did also laugh. Um, <laughs> I thought the sound effects were a little bit comical. And there was at one point in the movie, somebody like throws something and it hits a wall or something. And they put in the annoyed cat sound effect where it just goes like. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think Martin put it in to be comedic, <laughs> but it was so funny. I wish I'd noticed that. It was too all too dark. Mm. In that awful scene with the stake and his first wife, he's talking to his brother. And kind of the first time they're talking about his boxing career, they talk about how he has small little hands. Look at my hands. Small little girl's hands. And I thought for a second that the premise of the film was going to be like, how does a man learn to box when he has <laughs> tiny, teeny little hands? And I was like, that's kind of, that sounds like a Pixar film. The boxer with little hands. <laughs> it's like the little engine that could. Yeah. But that never came up again. No. I mean, you sort of see, he clearly has a complex about a lot of things. And right, I'm sure yes. that's part of it. Oh, I just remembered something. One note about Bridgerton that you <gasps> yes. brought up. Uh, another similarity that these movies have is that they're both <laughs> extremely bonery. <laughs> You're saying, okay, let me just get this straight. Raging Bull, the 1980 film, and Bridgerton, mm -hmm. the 2020 hit Netflix series, you would describe as extremely bonery? <laughs> sort that of boner forward pieces? That is exactly what I'm saying. I got to the end of each of them and went, that was bonery. <laughs> Very sort of male-oriented, although Bridgerton focuses a lot on female pleasure. So Yeah, that one's bonery in a way that's like like feminist and, and cool. <laughs> this one is bonery in a really dark way. Okay, great. So just a, a note for our listeners with boners out there. Uh, do it in a female way, a feminist yeah. uh, sort of bonery. Bonery does not scenario. have to be bad at all. But in this case, this is a great example of when bonery is bad. Yes. I will say I thought that they did Rocky, the 1976 boxing film, and were like, okay, we're good. We're good on boxing movies. I was so surprised that four years later, they were like, hang on, here's another one. There were no music montages in this. There was a montage, but it was weird. It was like in the middle of the film oh, yeah. to show that his career is progressing. But it was it just felt really early on for a montage. And there was so much movie after it. I feel like normally montages come at a time where it's like they've been through a lot of hardship. And now we're seeing them sort of like train and, and bone up. <laughs> Bonery. Um, but this was just like, okay. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't care. <laughs> and it was in color all of a sudden. Was it? It was in color for that montage. The home no. videos. A few of them were in color. Yep. Wait, are you serious? I'm serious. Hey, it, you're always waiting for that to happen in movies. I didn't to... notice that at all. Oh my God. No, I am so mad because I, I was like, I wish this would do a Wizard of Oz <laughs> and become in color. And you're telling me it did? Well, 
almost because it then switcherooed again and went black and white again. Wow. I guess I was just so upset <laughs> that it did not register at all. That is how grim this movie is. Even when it's in color, it feels black and white. Oh, did we oh. mention this movie's in black and white the whole time? <laughs> oh my God. Which also like, I think that's probably one of the things that makes this movie so artistic. That it's black and white. Oh, it's old New York. It's a love oh. letter to NYC. Boys are so smart that they can put things in <laughs> black and white. <laughs> I was like, this is this movie is not good. It's just in black and white. It's so so hard. And it this is 1980. Like things were in black and white 20 years ago. Like who cares? This was not late enough. It's not a flex. It's not a flex. It's not a flex. You just went backwards. Okay. Awful. I hated all the fake art. Although I I will say, I appreciate that it was in black and white for the boxing parts that featured a lot of blood. Yeah. So gross. I thought this was much more gruesome. Than the Godfather. Oh I, my I, God. More violent than the Godfather was Raging Bull. I was nauseous for half the film. And we'll get we'll get to that part. And I know you know which part I'm talking about. I did think at the very beginning, it starts in the 1960s at the end of uh Lamada's sort of career, and he's working in clubs doing monologues, and he was reciting something in rhyme. And I did write down if the whole movie is in rhyme. I've been down. Totally. It could have been sort of Shakespearean. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you think we can come up with a rhyme for this movie? Like a like a, a sample of dialogue that could have been in rhyme. But oh, I, yeah. I genuinely can't remember anything that was said. Um, this is the worst day of my life. You fucked my wife. You fucked my wife. <laughs> Perfect. See, if that had been the case, I would have been like, all right. That's the thing. It was really just like the the way that the story was told. Because there are plenty of stories with content that's upsetting in this way or, mm. you know, that are just palatable or more intriguing. Or there's something that redeems it in some way. Yes. Yeah. This There just wasn't any, there was not like levity in the film. Mm -hmm. If there was, it, it did not land. And there wasn't anybody to really root for. And mm. anyone who leaves that theater empowered somehow from watching this is not taking away the right things. You know, like I'm very <laughs> concerned about that member of society. Yeah. It would be so shocking to see somebody walk out of the theater of Raging Bull being like, hell yeah. <laughs> Speaking of boxing, ding, ding, time for an ad break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Should we talk about the pool scene? Yes, we should. It's all jokes, but like really, truly... I don't want to give this movie much of a platform for this reason because, okay, listeners, it gets to a point in the movie, maybe 20 minutes in, where the two brothers are at a pool and this is when we first meet a woman. (laughs) Well, a woman who we... Who has lines. Yeah, who has lines. (laughs) She's a blonde lady named Vicky. And the first thing we learn about her is that she is 15 years old. And the conversation that these two brothers have about her is... If uh, Joe Pesci has had relations with her (laughs) Um, and they're just both talking about how they want to and how, no, he hasn't, but he'd like to. And he's taken her out before, which is just all so confusing because like you took her out, what, for like when she was 14 and a half? It should also be noted when Joe Pesci tells his brother that she's 15, there is no like, oh, that's very young for me. Let me Mm -hmm. just not peruse. It doesn't register at all that she's a child. They don't care. Yeah, it's not even like a Lolita. They don't even think about it. Right. And also the character Jake is nine years older than her at that, um, I guess, all all the time because that's math. Yes. um, Just to give you a sense of of the, the gap and also her age. At this time of casting, the actress playing her was 17 years old. Robert De Niro was 35. Uh, and they have to do some very like intense physical stuff together on screen. And it is it is actually very, very disturbing to watch. And mm-hmm. this should not be viewed anymore, <laughs> this film. Seriously. It's, I was so glad that it was free to me so that I could not help them profit uh, off of it. I remember that those very physical scenes, I remember thinking like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen, including like videos of surgery. Yeah, it was really upsetting. I mean, I had to, there were a lot of parts of this movie where I just, I couldn't even look at the screen. Yeah. And we're not even talking about the boxing part. We're talking about the (laughs) sexual moments. I also really, I mean, I did write down a joke that's maybe in poor taste, but I I did write down, um, was dating in the 1940s, just abducting teens from the local pool and taking them mini golfing? (laughs) only explanation because that's what he did i think this is a trope in boxing films of the girlfriend character the woman character Mm. being the one who's gonna like kiss it better and Mm. uh, be sort of Mm -hmm. the savior for the man and it's such a tiring thing that we see time and time again in terms of women being used only for the growth of men in films um and that's just a bit of really smart analysis from me we can move back to uh stupid jokes now 
Hey, listen, if this particular episode doesn't have enough jokes for you guys, so it makes you never, ever want to watch the movie because we made this so boring, then we have <laughs> done our jobs. Mm-hmm. I, I remember thinking that throughout this movie, too, of like, this movie's not doing anything different from what other movies are doing. Like, I think De Niro did a right. good job of acting like an unhinged just uh-huh. brute. But you can see De Niro himself do that in other movies. And a lot of actors right. do a lot of way better acting in other films. And the whole time I was just like, why... Why did we need this? Like, why would you make a movie about this guy? I cannot understand. Completely. And another reason why it's just not relevant now is like, no one talks about or cares about Jake LaMotta now. No. You know? I did, um, I did write down that his name sounds like Clamato. Because <laughs> it's Jake LaMotta. And if you say that fast, Jake LaMotta. Clamato juice. <laughs> I like that a lot. I helped myself through the movie by finding little things like that. Um, little beacons for me, like the cat sound <laughs> and yeah. Clamato juice. It was real. it's a hard movie to get through. And um, not like movies nowadays that are really good and emotionally challenging. It's just like, I'm not invested in this and I don't want to keep watching it because it's only painful. I, w- I did think it was a little bit like um, Citizen Kane does boxing. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it totally was yeah because you just watch a guy be like shitty to everyone and then yeah uh, achieve success and then get old <laughs> right but with boxing this time these are the movies that we're told to watch these are the number mm. one movies instead yeah. of like i don't know shark tale was a fun movie shark tale was so good <gasps> people would love to watch that why wouldn't you tell people to watch that why would you tell them to watch this what kind of society do you want to make we should make our own top 100 greatest films list. Oh, that's such a good idea. I know it is. No. And that can be, when we finish this one, we can just go through that one and really have a good time. This movie sucked ass. Okay. Um, what else? What else is there to say about it? I feel like, um, oh, he becomes very, very paranoid that his wife is cheating on him. That's a huge mm-hmm. part of the film is his sort of sexual insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, what one could call the Madonna whore complex, uh, according to Freud. Oh. I roll from Sienna. <laughs> I roll from me because, wow, Scorsese. Oh, you, you did that Madonna whore thing so well. Have Vicky walk out of the bathroom in a sexy robe next to a photo <laughs> of the Virgin Mary. That was so clever, man. Mm, Dang. Subtle and so subtle. I, I did wonder if you... Um, enjoyed at all the catholic imagery throughout the film this movie made me want to go back and give the godfather such a higher score <laughs> like, me too. this is like everything that this one's doing the godfather was a much better version of that to me like i enjoyed mm. the catholic stuff in that one if you heard our godfather episode you know how little we enjoyed that film so this is really saying something oh man this movie is really like the epitome of the issues that i have like movies will have seeds of this energy Mm. And I, that's the problem I have is it being too artistic in a way that I think is stupid and overrated or yeah. they're very anti-woman or just very, very masturbatory. Bonery. <laughs> you know, very bonery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very violent, male-dominated subject, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And this one is like the mother of all of those yeah. moments in films. I do. I just want to tell you that I am getting a little distracted because I am thinking about boners. <laughs> You've said it so many times now. <laughs> it's in my head. <laughs> They're on the mind. What's, I mean, you know, it's been a long year. <laughs> What's your primary feeling? Right. What's your sentiment about boners? <laughs> I'm for them. <laughs> pro boner. We're pro boner here. Pro boners. 
Yeah, my brother's graduated law school and I am pro boner. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I also, okay, so there's the the part of the film where he throws the match because the mafia told him that uh, in order to get a chance at a title competition, he has to throw this other match. I don't really care why. And you know that scene where everybody's crying after that match that he throws? <laughs> oh, yeah. Does anyone know why everyone was crying? Because <sighs> it was a bunch of boys being like, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> Why'd I do it? Why'd I do it? <laughs> I guess because he had to. And then he's so sad because boxing is his life and hmm. all the trauma of his childhood that we didn't see. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, that is interesting that they don't even talk about uh, that he had a rough childhood IRL in this movie at all to explain like, here's why this guy is awful <laughs> to everyone. Right. It wasn't exactly the making of a monster. It was just like sort of the day to day of a monster. <laughs> day in the life <laughs> day in the life of a monster yeah pre-youtube channel should we now talk about the worst moment of this movie there were many this one is when he's boxing that man who his wife called pretty or attractive in yeah, some way uh -huh. so there's this man whose last name <gasps> is janeiro which is so funny because i know <laughs> tony janeiro i believe is the name of the boxer and he was an up-and-coming uh, little boy. No, <laughs> an up-and-coming man in the boxing realm. He was doing really well, and he was very popular. And in one scene, Tony Clamato is wondering why this man is so popular. And his wife is like, well, you know, he's like good at boxing. He's pretty, whatever. And she just means that he doesn't have a scarred face like many boxers do. But Jake, Jake Lamata, that's his name, really hones in on that. And it, he internalizes it, and he like, just can't let that go. Mm -hmm. So then when he has a chance to box Tony Janeiro, he beats the shit out of him. And it is so... I'm going to try to say this in a way that will not make people as upset as I was watching it. Um, but the man's nose by the end of the boxing is not where it started. And also, we got to talk about the blood spurt. Oh, thank God, the spurts! <laughs> A, 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 a little fountain, a fountain of blood comes out of this man's what used to be his nose. And there's still an hour left after oh, that. God. And I was so nauseous for the rest of the film because of that scene. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it conveys the sort of brutality and the sheer rage of De Niro's character, but it's horrific to watch. Mm -hmm. Picture sort of like a, a clown's flower on his lapel that squirts <laughs> water out. Yeah, that's exactly it. From the nose of <laughs> this man. From Jobbert Janeiro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I just the whole time was trying to figure out what the point of this film was and who we were supposed to be rooting for and why it was happening. Because I actually didn't know while watching it that it was based off of a, a real person and it was just a biopic. Um, and so at one point I was like, is it just like to tell you that like if you're Robert De Niro and you're trying to fix a broken TV and holding a sandwich, like your life is bad. Because <laughs> there's a long scene where he is eating a sandwich and trying to fix a broken TV. And I was like, I guess that's it. <laughs> that's the, you fuck my wife? You fuck my wife? Yes, that's when he and his brother get into a very confusing argument. Um, his brother, Joey, and his name is Jake. And uh, I remember that. 
And I guess it's well acted, but I just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. Th- you're so right about what you said earlier that like you can, these actors are good in other movies. So yeah, Joe Pesci is amazing in Home Alone. I think this movie could be sort of seen as a backstory to his character in Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Um, And I also, one thing that came up was I did think about how difficult and challenging it would be to be a sports commentator in the past. Oh my God. Those boys (laughs) got to talk quickly. Because it was a lot of like, and a right hook and a left hook and his jaw is on the floor and all the man is down. And a blood spurt and a nose on the side of his head. And I'm sorry, I gotta go. I'm passing out. (laughs) Oh, let the organ lady take over. (laughs) (laughs) I wondered too, if this was where, at the very end of this movie, He's psyching himself up to go perform a monologue on stage and he's saying, I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss. And I've heard that somewhere else and I can't remember where, but it was in a funny context in a different film. And I was wondering if this is where it originated. Mm. But I was too tired of this movie to Google it and try and find out. Right. That was also so confusing because he was like quoting other movies because that was the point is that he was like reading. Mm. He was reading scripts and stuff. He like yeah, Shakespeare like, and the... the- I yes. could have been a contender speech yeah. at the end. So, and I could be like, oh, is that what this... Wait, no. That's mm-hmm. what this is from. Yeah, like, that's from On the Waterfront in the 1930s. He then, when he leaves his boxing career, he enters into entertainment, like running a club and doing stand-up comedy. And I was that like, was... this is so classic man where he has not said anything funny for the entire 90 minutes up until now. Like his character was never a funny guy. And then he's like, you know what? I think I could be good at stand-up. Just that raw white male confidence. My last phone note was that um, I I would guess that this is probably the most times "come on" has been uttered in a film. <laughs> they he did say that a ton. Yeah, come There's on. One scene where he at the end is approaching his estranged brother and trying to like connect with him after years of not speaking. Oh, because he beat the shit out of him for thinking that he had slept with his wife and uh he goes up to joe pesci who now has a mustache to show that time has passed and um he's like come on come on come on come on for like a minute straight all he's saying is come on (laughs) my one joyous phone note also was that everybody in this all the characters in this movie looked like they would be the human versions of characters from beauty and the beast (laughs) Oh my God, say more about that. What do you mean? <laughs> I wish I had gone through and decided what all of them were, but like, you know. Well, we can do that now. Joe Pesci could be like... Uh, Chip? Right. Or, you know, other ones we haven't seen yet, like a fishbowl. Oh my gosh. So you are expanding the universe of Beauty and the Beast uh, furniture items. Yeah. Like the guy, he thought the Jobber De Niro guy is kind of like a toaster or something. <laughs> do you think he looked like a toaster before or after his nose was shifted on his face? Yeah, after because it's on the side and you can press it down. (laughs) Oh, God. I did really feel by the end of it like I had made it through something. And then I quickly went and watched a YouTube like British TV comedy show just to get this film out of my mind. Push that nose back. It's time for an ad break. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. I did want to say one thing. I feel like people might wonder like, well, what are you looking for in a movie? Because so far, most of what we've done is be like, that was bad, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is true. Um, And how I felt. But I I feel like I noticed that I've enjoyed a film when it sort of stays with me. Um, Like when I first saw 1917, I went straight home and just sat on my chair for a long time thinking about it Mm -hmm. because it was a real uh, emotional excursion. This film went out of my brain immediately. The minute I turned off the TV, I was like, all right, that's gone. That's a great point. Yeah. I, I've had trouble this entire time thinking about what happened. <laughs> my brain's trying to expel all the bad feelings and it's, that wasn't very memorable to me. Mm. Yeah. This was a sort of a bad vibes only film. Well, Sienna, I'm curious. I don't know if you will, but um, did you have any badges that you would have liked, you would have liked to award? <laughs> yes. Um, we can move on to our next segments right now. We're going to do badges and trages. This is where we can give badges for things that we liked about the film or trages for things that were more tragic to us that we did mm. not like. Um, mm-hmm. I have one badge <laughs> and that badge is for reminding me why this podcast is so important mm. and truly for giving me like a, to remind me what my problems are with films because I really am kind of optimistic about them. <laughs> Yeah. This one, I really, really felt really bad the whole time. So yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Raging Bull really reinforces our mission statement of being like, why was this good? (laughs) Why is this on the list at all? Um, I'll rally through mine quickly because there were some things that I appreciated, not about really the plot or the characters or the direction or uh, really the film, (laughs) but Mm-hmm. What I did appreciate was I appreciate I would give a badge for putting the credits at the beginning. So I knew who some of the men were in this movie, because I remember from The Godfather being like, who is that the whole time? And then being so surprised that it was Al Pacino. <laughs> Whereas this, with this one, I was like, oh, it's Joe Pesci. Got right it. Um, I would also give a badge for Joe Pesci, a.k.a. the man who every human baby looks like. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed yeah, him. I would give a badge for forget about it. Just boys saying, hey, forget about it. I enjoy that phrase. 
I would give a badge for how efficient um, it was to pack a suitcase in the year 1940 or 1950, <laughs> whatever years. The, the circumstances around it are very, very bad because um, his wife is leaving him because he's just beat her. Um, but her clothes went right into that suitcase very quickly. Yeah, no folding. Um, and the final badge that I would give is um, a badge for making it obvious that two people are going to kiss. Um <laughs> And I'm just going to say, uh, I kissed a boy on Friday and oh. <laughs> I just really appreciate when they make it obvious that it's going to happen. Cause, uh, <laughs> I think that would always be helpful in real life. Just could save you a couple of hours <laughs> of, um, will they, won't they <laughs> just if, if you could do a close up zoom of two people looking at each other and you'd be like, Oh, <laughs> they're going to kiss. I also wonder though, if I didn't feel as miserable during this film because I was maybe a little bit riding the uh, high of human contact yes, <laughs> for the um, first time in a long time. I yeah. would also actually like to award a badge um, for Liana kissing a boy on Friday. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> That's amazing. That is, is so exciting. Yes. <laughs> Post-vax smooch. Vax waxed and happy. Um, <laughs> half, maybe one and a half of those are <laughs> correct. <laughs> okay, good. Well, there are the badges. Let's dive right into the trages of this film. Um, the trages for me, uh, here's my bullet to point list. Everything. Horrible. <laughs> Stupid fucking art that was just a man forcing you to watch what he made. <laughs> He plants his seed in your life by forcing you to stare at his stupid art for as long as he sees fit. <laughs> also abusing women as a tool for dumb fucking art. <laughs> Nobody cares about Jake LaMotta now. So this was unnecessary. And if there was ever a time that, that this film belonged, it no longer belongs anymore in society. Yeah, <laughs> I think those are all <laughs> fair and true. Um, mine are quite similar, you know, trage for the oppressive male gaze. The first sort of intro to Vicky's character is just a close up on her legs. Um, uh, and a reminder, she was 17 when she auditioned for this film. Um, I would also give a, a trage for a man doing stand up in 1947, which is my <laughs> fucking nightmare. Um, a trage for, um, there's still being an hour of the film at the time where the nose was, um, replaced on the man's face. A, a trage for the continuity of the TV antenna in the TV scene because the antenna was at a different <laughs> angle <laughs> in some of the cuts. And oh. I was really just trying to look at the background because I was so fed up with the characters. And I was like, anything else? Let me look at anything else that's going on. And then there was something wrong <laughs> with it in the background. And then finally, and this is like, I don't even want to bring this up because it was so disgusting. But I do think it's important to mention just to give you a sense of like, even more of a sense of how um, there aren't like adjectives strong enough to describe the the revulsion that I felt during this film. But when Lamada's character is older and running a club, he is brought to the bar because somebody's saying like, oh, there's a couple women here who look maybe underage. And he uh, talks to them and he says, um, are you 21? And they say yes. And he says, can you prove that you're 21? And she says, yes. And oh then he says, would God. you prove it to me? And by that, he's implying, would you make out with me? And he forces these young women who end up turning out to be 14 years old to kiss him. And it is so nauseating to experience. It is so... This film should not be on this list. <laughs> There's nothing else really to be said besides this is a blatantly like misogynistic, horrible movie. And there is not enough... Uh, about it that's like good or cinematographic yeah. to be like well we can look past that and be like what a piece of art no <laughs> just 
No. It's like doing a disservice to all the people who are talented who worked on it, you know, mm. for this to mm-hmm. be the film that we recognize as like their best work because it's just so terrible. Yeah. And such an unpleasant viewing experience for so much of the population. Well, great. We will now do everybody a service via a segment called How to Pretend You've Seen This Film. Okay, so um, Dave from Emerson comes up to you at a baby shower and says... (laughs) Wait, just insane to be bringing up Raging Bull at a baby shower. (laughs) He says, I just watched Raging Bull last night again for the 15th time. Mm -hmm. God, I love that movie. Have you seen it? Yeah. And in order for you to not have to be like, no, and then have this man, Dave, monologize at you, um, here are a few things you could say to sort of slip away from the situation. That scene where it was a slow-mo dissension of the microphone onto the boxing square, a real metaphor for the risk of giving a film like this a platform. It's interesting how Scorsese would place Vicky next to images of the Virgin Mary. To me, this represents the smallness of Scorsese's penis. <laughs> yeah, when when the grown adult man took a 15-year-old child uh, for a drive, I really felt, um, just as a woman, uh, like I wanted to die. Jake LaMotta fights others for a living, but ultimately, his greatest opponent is himself. This is probably because he has a very small penis. (laughs) Um, Well, Dave, you say you watched Raging Bull for the 15th time. I really would say um, look inward and think about what that means about yourself and maybe talk to anybody who's ever faced a modicum of oppression. (laughs) Also, you probably have a small penis. (laughs) Dave... Though this movie was about boxing, we actually see Jake at home, perhaps even more often than we see him in the ring. This reminds viewers that Jake is just like the rest of us, a human man. The movie holds up a mirror to the audience as if to say, everyone watching this has a small penis too. (laughs) Can I say that scene where he's talking about his small hands? I actually thought that he would be pleased with that because don't small hands make a penis look bigger? And your own hands every day. You can be like, yeah, baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> Look at that <laughs> hug. Oh my God. This is great. The more unpleasant we make the actual podcast, like really the more that they'll associate this film with something they yeah. just want to get away from. <laughs> my therapist tells me to do that with men that I shouldn't have a crush on. That's good advice. She's like, associate with something bad. Um, just think about this film. Think about them loving this film. Oh God. Cold shower. Cold shower. Which, by the way, he does pour, pour a cold pitcher shower right down his pants. That does happen in the film because he's trying, he gets really horny before going to have a boxing match. It's not, it's not worth explaining. But I do think a cold shower is a great segue into our segment, Should You Watch This? Or, in which we answer the question, should you watch this movie or should you do literally anything else at all with your life? I guess what would my answer be? Um... I guess I'd side with like not watching this movie. <laughs> really? Gosh. And instead, um, I think you should watch the uh, Celtic woman sketch oh. on SNL because that's the only thing that's brought me joy since watching this film. That is a very, very, very funny sketch. Previously, I, I would say I would do sort of a, a little joke of like, should you watch this or should you watch 1917? But I am so not 
interested in seeing more men right now <laughs> that I would say you should honestly like take yourself on a rigorous hike. <laughs> Go find yourself. Go get your heart rate up. Go be in nature. Go be away from Hollywood for some time. Like, go off the grid. Cleanse your soul. Yeah. Quit your job. <laughs> Sell your house. <laughs> Move. Anything but this. Yeah. I. That's perfect. That's great. Oh, God. I agree. <laughs> so my overall rating of this film, I would give, I think, a negative 10. <laughs> noses on the side of one's head oh god out of five mm -hmm. because of yeah. all the reasons that i've already listed i think i've made it pretty clear i would give it i'm just gonna go a flat zero out of five i guess maybe stakes uh mm -hmm. it just it was a nothing experience and i am so excited to never recall it again boy oh boy oh boy wow which is a summary of the movie as well boy oh boy oh boy so many boys well, we've done it and you've done it too. Well done, everybody, for making it through this. Um, please send us nice things because we really have had a rough go of it mm -hmm. <laughs> having to do this goddamn movie. Um, and I'm sure we won't have to watch anything problematic or upsetting ever again on this list. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, thank God we've <laughs> cleared that barrier. It's over. <laughs> Um, that's it for Raging Bull, number four on the list. Next week, we will be watching Singing in the Rain, which is number five. Sienna's Yay, cheering. colors! <laughs> Things are in color. Colors and song. Sienna, there's more racism in that movie than you realize. <laughs> oh no! We'll talk about it then. <laughs> Feel free to tweet us at Tossed Popcorn. We've got an Instagram at the same handle. If you enjoyed this film, uh, I don't want to hear it, but if you have <laughs> kind things to say, send them our way. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you. We love you. Bye! Bye on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. 
No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.